everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Stags Sports Wrap Podcast. Hope everybody is has enjoyed their holiday weekend. It, in fact, on the day that we're recording, Athletics actually has a day off, which is kind of convenient. We get to kind of catch our breath for a little bit as it's been a crazy last couple of days. I'm JJ Duke, joined by Drew Kingsley. And Drew, we were just chatting before that it's kind of funny how we don't really get too many of these days off during this March 3rd to May 2nd stretch, but um, yeah, feeling good for the fact that I could actually wake up and not have to think about driving to a game or getting prep ready for another contest. Oh, this is great. We're sitting down to record. I've got a cup of coffee. I'm getting ready for an Easter egg hunt with my son. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a good episode. It's going to be a good day. And hopefully your social media channels will be bringing out the good content as the little <laughs> one, uh, gets ready to find all those Easter eggs. Uh, of course, he uh, he knows how to mug for the camera. There we go. Uh, a lot of stuff to get to for this show is, uh, especially on Friday and Saturday, a lot of things that happen at home. So we'll catch you up on all that. Uh, but first, uh, kind of the one that we had to bring up at the beginning of the show and one that starts it off in a little bit of a down front. But um, women's volleyball after uh Picking up the regular season championship with a nine and one record, splitting with Quinnipiac last Sunday. They were en route to travel up to Albany, which was the location for the MAC championship tournament. Fairfield were the number one seed going in, but it was reported on Wednesday, this past Wednesday afternoon, that due to a positive COVID 19 t- uh, test, Within the volleyball program, the team had to withdraw from the MAC Volleyball Championship um, after, like I said, Todd Cress's team was set to uh, make another run, as they have been doing over the last few years. And obviously, this has been disappointing on so many levels, uh, Drew, especially knowing how diligent that entire group has been all year long. I know that in talking with Todd, he said that this is a team that's done literally everything that they could have asked to to keep themselves healthy and it just was heartbreaking that the first test that they had come back positive happened to be at the end of the season. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, um, I hope everybody involved in the program is in good health. Um, There's really, there's a lot to say, but at the same time, there's not a lot you can say other than it's just, it's an absolute heartbreaker to see their season end like this, especially after the success they had throughout the regular season. Um, but I know this is a, it's a resilient group. It's determined coaching staff. Um, I don't think there's doubt in anybody's mind the Stags will overcome this. They'll be ready to go in the fall. Um, congratulations to Ryder. I don't want to take anything away from them. They, you know, they had a great weekend. They played a great tournament. They're deserving of being called the MAC champions this year. But, you know, as a fan, as a, as a proud Fairfield Stag, I'm already looking forward to next season and brighter days ahead for the volleyball team. Yeah, I mean, you look at this season as a whole, there were certainly a whole lot of positives that came from this year. Obviously, the regular season title, which is the 19th of those in program history. Fairfield Volleyball got to close out Alumni Hall in grand style uh, with a you know, two-match day against Ryder. And, um, they're set to have a number of players return in the coming fall as well. And as Drew said, this is a small obstacle that I know that this group will overcome. And they're certainly going to be ready and raring to go in the fall of the 2021 season. I echo what Drew said earlier. I hope everybody within that group um, gets healthy as quickly as possible. And we'll see them all in the fall season. 
moving now towards uh, what we saw on campus throughout the Friday, Saturday weekend was baseball and softball. Now, interestingly enough, baseball were not scheduled to be home this weekend. They had some schedule rearrangements from other programs that are currently in pauses. They were set to then take on Iona. That schedule originally had Iona as the home team. Well, that turned out that Fairfield ended up playing on their home field as the visitors for four games, but that did not deter uh, Bill Courier's team from doing what they did a couple of weeks ago, which is sweeping a four-game set over Iona. It started on a very chilly and windy Friday afternoon. Fairfield recorded a pair of 4-2 wins led by Mike Caruso's four-hit day across both games. Michael Sansone had a complete game effort in game one. Jake Noviello tossed a seven-inning masterpiece in game two. On Saturday, the Stags bats came to life as they pounded out 17 runs across the two games, winning the opener 7-0 in the final game 10-2. Game one saw John Signor once again put in a signature performance of six scoreless innings. Justin Guerrera hit homers in both games, and Mike Handel picked up two hits and a couple of RBI in the second game, finishing the weekend with seven hits, five runs driven in, and four runs scored. And Drew, uh, it was kind of a a different tale of both days. I was there on Friday. It was absolutely frigid. And as we saw in major league baseball opening day, where similar conditions, it was cold on those days. And a lot of analysts were talking about how pitchers difficult to grip the ball, difficult to really locate. Well, Fairfield pitching once again, delivered a masterful performance all weekend long and the bats just kept getting hotter. Yeah. That, pitching staff is deep the, the lineup is too for that matter but talking about the pitching staff you know we've seen some names that I think we all expected to be in that rotation we also saw some guys step up out of the bullpen or uh, Bryson making a start in game two yesterday uh, really setting the tone there before the bullpen came in with five hitless innings of relief so it it's going to take everybody to get through these schedules. This is a grueling schedule, especially with every game being a conference game that counts in the standings and uh, the stags are off to a great start. It's funny to still say off to a start, but they really, there is a lot of baseball left to be played, but there's nothing wrong with eight and oh, that uh, can be sure about that. In a schedule that has a maximum of 40 games listed in it. I've talked with this for, with a couple of different people in that every win, well, every time that you take to the field, you know that the controllables are for baseball and softball. You have two games to play for on that day. If you win both of those games, you certainly set yourself up for uh, potentially a domino effect going forward. And if you keep building victories, then ultimately you're going to be in a really good position come in a couple of months time. And um, interestingly enough, there is uh, some changes in the Mac tournament format announced this past week and top four teams now are going to be getting to host opening weekend series. So Fairfield now eight games, eight wins. Things keep working their way. Talked to a couple of players after the uh, Friday game and they said, any chance to play at home is a delight. So you never know. There's a nice little cherry on the top there. And uh, speaking that I talked to Mike Caruso after Friday's doubleheader about um, the start to the solid season that he has had, especially talk about the bottom half of the lineup. He is the key cog that gets that going is those guys have really been contributing. And the fact that he has caught seven of the eight games played thus far and what has worked to get this group off to flying start. So here was my chat with Mike 
after Friday's doubleheader sweep over Iona. Chilly conditions like this, the fact that you guys haven't played for a couple of weeks, how exactly do you go managing a staff to throw 16 innings of two-run, two-run ball? You know, it's just making sure they still keep the ball down and just pitching their strengths. I mean, our guys on the mound, I mean, they have the ability to dominate you know, anyone they face. So if they're keeping the ball down, they're throwing strikes. I mean, they're tough to hit. Um, they just got to come out here, you know, not thinking, not taking the weather as, you know, an adversity aspect and just going out there and playing hard. Especially for the fact that you didn't exactly know who you were going to be playing up until about 24 hours before the game. How much do you talk really about more our strengths as in our pitchers as opposed to worrying about any sort of a scouting report? I mean, we do both. I mean, but what's important is always playing to your strengths because that's what's going to help you win games. I mean, obviously the scouting reports help us, uh, you know, find some little things about the other team that, you know, are good to know. But, um, you know, like I said before, if guys just keep doing uh, playing to their strengths, I mean, we're going to be good. That's all this. Your stick was on fire today, a line drive homer that thing pretty much cut through the teeth of the wind in that first game and then a three hit second contest for you 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 guys really just up and down the lineup were doing everything but between you and the other guys at the bottom half of the order they're really making things work what what has exactly clicked i mean our 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 bats are just good bats i mean i think every guy one through nine has the ability to put the ball over the fence and hit balls hard and uh, when you have a group of guys and the ability to do that i mean you're a tough team to get out and uh, I think we're very lucky to have you know, the guys on this team that can swing it like that. And also, first six games at home, first six wins at home, that's got to make you all feel pretty good knowing that this has become a little bit of a fortress right now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, we love playing at home. And, uh, the, you know, first six games, we get to be here and win six games. I mean, uh, it just shows, you know, we're coming out, we're playing hard, and we're ready to go. So it is what it is. Meanwhile, in the softball diamond, Julie Brzezinski's team split a pair of doubleheaders against Iona to improve the 6-4 and four on the season. The first doubleheader was last Tuesday in New Rochelle. Iona won the first game 5-4. Fairfield took the nightcap 5-2. Then on Saturday, it was Fairfield's turn to host, and the doubleheader had the same pattern as it did on Tuesday with Iona winning game one, 5-3, and Fairfield winning the second game 5-0. Michaela Rubin leads the way offensively for the Stags, registering a hit now in all 10 games to start the year. That doesn't happen very often, by the way, getting hits in 10 straight, and she drove in five runs against Iona. Lacey Olaf also getting uh, three hits in that series, drove in a pair on Saturday. But the big story is Katie Kudlasik. And Drew, when we talk about kind of left-handed pitchers, the synonymous is the crafty lefties. But Katie Kudlasik power and finesse because between the two games that she started wins in both starting game twos in both series she combined 23 strikeouts in 12 innings you don't get a whole lot better than what she put on this week against Iona yeah she she really came in especially game two yesterday it was the stags down 2-1 in the series you know you want to at least split every single one of these series and she came in put the team on her back, made some early runs, stand up, striking out 13 batters in that game. And it's great to see, I just talked about it with baseball, but it's great to see depth in the pitching staff here as well. We know what Lauren Reinhardt's going to bring to have Katie Kudlasik and some others who also showed up this weekend with some clutch performances is going to be very key for that team going down the stretch. Again, it's a, it's a grueling stretch. So to be able to switch up the arms you got coming at you, a little more regularly than some other softball teams can is a great advantage.
Yeah, when I talked with Coach Krasinski in our Season Outlook podcast, you did mention the fact that because teams don't traditionally have bigger staffs like you see in baseball, playing four games against the same team in quick succession, you're going to see a lot of the same arms. You might be facing an order eight times, maybe nine times with one pitcher. So if you have the ability to start or bring in four or five different pitchers across four seven-inning games, you have a little bit of a better chance at least mix things up and just see what works best. Obviously, you don't need to peak now, but you want to be putting yourself into a better position come early May. And uh, Speaking with Katie, I did talk with her after her three-hit shutout while striking out 13 game two of that victory. Uh, and we talked about a number of things in that one. Uh, she was very humble in the fact that she said that, yeah, 13 strikeouts is one thing, but she didn't even have her best stuff in that game, which, by the way, scary to think what could be her best stuff. And also how the team has really had to adapt for this 2021 season, both on the field and off the field. So here's my chat with Katie after Saturday's game. So 13 strikeouts for you in the second game of this doubleheader. And it seemed like everything that you were throwing were just hitting the zone. So really what was working for you today, especially coming after a tough loss in the first game of this doubleheader? Yeah. Um, I don't even know what to say. Like, to be honest, not everything was like working perfectly. Like it was still, even though I was getting strikes and they were swinging a lot of things, like, it wasn't the spot that I was planning to hit. So even though I got 13 or 14 strikeouts, I was still struggling with my own game and continuing to get better, if that makes sense. No, it does. And like you, you <laughs> were able to see this group a couple of days beforehand yes. down at their place and had some success. So was there anything that you took away from that start that helped you today? Kind of. I mean, so they obviously saw me last time and I got 10 strikeouts with them with basically only throwing my rise ball so coming in today they tried to sit on that a little bit more I mean not all of them I still got a few strikes but so they were a little bit more selective on that so I had to work more corners with curveballs and screw balls and just mix it around a little more now thus far in the season so you have a series win against Manhattan and a couple splits against Canisius and Iona where's the group feeling like right now especially now we're a couple of series in and things are starting to trend in the right direction we're feeling great. We're feeling really good. I mean, I think we've been doing great on and off the field. Um, it's been a little difficult with COVID. We never know who we're actually going to play. So it's kind of a little question. But yeah, I think overall our morale is like great. And that's kind of the interesting bit, right? Because I'd say you have a bunch of games coming up in the next couple of weeks, but don't really know what's going to happen. So for you guys, how is it staying focused and knowing that it doesn't matter what jersey we're seeing across the way? We just have to keep it on ourselves and control what we can control. Yeah, I mean, honestly, because of COVID, our whole entire year has been like this. Like, you never know if you have an online class or an offline class or anything like that. So the same thing goes with softball. You like, you never know who you're going to play against. It's just like, at the end of the day, it's like, you just walk in, like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Like I'm going to play whoever shows up, or at least that's how I think about it. But yeah, it's a little, it's a little difficult. Sometimes it's hard to keep your head in the game when you don't know who you're playing until you show up. But I think we've been working on it really well. So moving on now to soccer, as we talk about kind of this championship stretch run that we're going to be having a championship tournament stretch run, mind you, that we're going to be seeing. The next sport up on the list is men's and women's soccer, and those teams are hitting their final run. Women's soccer went up to Buffalo, and 
It was basically a business trip for Dave Barrett's team, but it was one that had a pretty nice output as the Stags put six past Canisius en route to a 6-1 victory, giving Fairfield now a 2-1-1 record heading into their last match. Gabby Diodati had a couple of goals, a goal each from Maddie Kiley, Allie Filipkowski, and L. Scott bolster the Stags offenses. And Dave Barrett had a chance to actually get a number of players a run out in that contest. Set the stage nicely for Fairfield going up against Quinnipiac on Tuesday. And Drew, a win could see them possibly host a MAC tournament match or maybe more. And remember that 2019 game, that semifinal against Quinnipiac under the lights, having home field advantage is such an important thing in that sport. Oh, yeah, especially a place like Fairfield where you've got Lessing Field and that can be different than some other surfaces other facilities you've got it's not just being at home it's also the physical venue itself but yeah the stags are starting to roll I think this is the type of performance we've been looking for from this team after their run to the championship match last year and it it came at a great time as far as setting themselves up nicely for the stretch run Quinnipiac obviously another one of the better teams in the max so that'll be a tough one on Tuesday but Um, as we say a lot with a lot of teams, especially with these shorter schedules, all you can do is put yourself in a position to succeed. And they've set themselves up nicely where they more or less control their own destiny for a home playoff game or two. And another team that's also setting themselves up in good position to control some of their own fate is the men's team played two matches in three days down in New Jersey, facing Monmouth on Thursday and Ryder Saturday night going into that. If you probably ask Carl Reese what he would have liked out of that, three points would have been fine. Four points, thank you very much. We'll take that. Get six points, we'll put that in the back pocket, and we'll head up back north feeling pretty good about ourselves. It ended up being four points in that as Fairfield, after going behind early in the second half against Monmouth on Thursday, Jonathan Philippe leveled things in the 56th minute from the penalty spot, and Joseph Lazowski smashed home the winner six minutes from time to give Fairfield all three points. Two days later, in a very physical contest that you always come to expect against Ryder, 110 minutes was not enough to separate the two teams as both teams really struggled to make inroads offensively. Ended in a goal of straw, but Gordon Botterill picking up his second clean sheet of the season. So you always take that. However, for Fairfield men, it puts themselves in a position coming up on the day that you're listening to this podcast that goes out on Monday, Stags host Manhattan at home, a field that they're very good at with a chance to climb up the ladder in the max standings. And again, maybe an opportunity to host a postseason match. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't tried to make sense of the max standings much for soccer yet. There's so many variables. There's teams that unfortunately are playing an uneven amount of games. There's, you know, the different points factor with wins and ties and all that, but We know that one point's better than none, three points are better than one, and the Stags, who, believe it or not, close the regular season tomorrow on Monday as you're listening to this, uh, they can set themselves up with a win over Manhattan, or even if they pick up a point, that would be three straight matches coming away with something and putting themselves in a good position. You know, even if they're not where they want to be in the standings, certainly as far as their performance, as far as how they're playing, starting to improve and maybe peaking at the right time as they would head into the postseason. Funny enough, seven points out of a possible 12 on the road for uh, Fairfield men's soccer. So as long as you're playing 500 ball or better, you're going to be all right. 
Now it's the opportunity to win at home and see if they can, again, yeah, finish on a high note and have some momentum building into the MAC tournament. Uh, we'll talk about the dates of when those quarterfinal matches will be at the end of this show. Uh, quick notes on some of the other action going across Fairfield Athletics. Men's and women's swimming and diving competed at the MAC Invitational event this week, a very unique event where seven different MAC programs competed at a number of different sites for one tournament with aggregate results. Basically what happened was every team swam all the events that you'd see in a traditional mate at various locations. Once all the teams swam, they combined all the times into basically one big sheet. And that's how you got an event. Andrew, I, I got to say fair play to the Mac coaches for being innovative and coming up with some sort of a season ending event, because that was the sport that unfortunately got the short straw where they did not have a championship meet, but they still found a way to have some sort of a season-ending culminating result. Yeah, as you say, uh, congratulations, really, to the coaches and student-athletes who toughed it out, really, is the way I would put it, to get a season together and to create this event, this MAC Invitational. Seven teams, as you said, four different sites, um, Everybody, just a little bit of the the insight I have uh, from my day job, um, working really hard to get those results combined. All, all seven coaches, I'm sure, did their due diligence and checking them, making sure everything was correct as they combined all that. And a uh, great job with the by the Mac also pushing those results out and um, everybody really getting a chance to get their due in a very non-traditional championship-like event. And uh, from the Fairfield side, both teams competing well, some individuals doing very well, and as a team, really uh, showing up in what turned out to be the final standings. Yeah, the men finished second, which is an outstanding performance for them, and the women finished fourth. There were a number of top 10 finishes, in both in all-time program history and also some records in there as well. So to see the full results, make sure to head over to fairfieldstags.com. Uh, tennis, both men's and women's travel to Hofstra on Saturday. Both came out victorious. The men won 4-0, women won 5-2. Outstanding work by both of those programs as they took a quick jaunt out of league play before they resumed MAC play coming up in a few days' time. Men's golf competed at the three-day Connecticut Cup event at the Ellington Ridge Country Club, finishing eighth out of 12 teams after a very difficult first day where Fairfield were 12th out of 12. The Stags jumped up two places on each of the second and third day including on the final day, posting one of their best rounds of the entire season. Jason Salamino finished 15th in the event as he shot an even par on the final day. And field hockey, after what was really a difficult last couple of weeks because how the NEC circuit works this year, it is actually a traditional league schedule where you get to play everybody once. But the difference is there's no tournament. It's just a one-versus-two winner-take-all final Fairfield losing to the key contenders along with themselves and LIU and Ryder, either by strokes or a one goal deficit. So Fairfield bouncing back nicely on Saturday at home to Bryant winning three, nothing got a couple of goals and an assist from Juliana Kratz and a goal from Megan McGuire as well. They started to look a bit more like themselves. And we talked with Juliana after the game, about the result, about the need to bounce back after those two tough losses and the importance of the team's final two games of this season. So here is my quick chat with Juliana Kratz after the conclusion of the win 
against Bryant. Coming after that game against Ryder, obviously things were not going your way, but it has to feel pretty good today. Three goals, clean sheet, and yourself getting a couple ones as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. We worked so hard for Ryder, and coming off a tough loss like that, we know that we had to definitely bring it this game, and right from the start, we did. A little frustrating as well because you guys scored very early on, right? And then it took about till like last five, ten minutes of the fourth quarter. What were you guys talking about, like with the offensive group, whether it was during quarter or something like that, to try and say, hey, we still have a chance to at least put this one to bed? Yeah, um, scoring so early and then just not being able to get one after that was definitely frustrating. Um, we were all in the right places. We just weren't getting the rebounds that we needed to. Um, so what we talked about was kind of just having to frame the goal, moving around so we can confuse the defense and just make sure that we, if we see a shot, we just take it. How nice is it as well to be back at home? Because it seems like this group really just turns it on when they get to play at University Field in front of their home fans. Yeah, we definitely are done with field turf. Uh, it felt amazing to be back on our turf today. What is the expectation now for the rest of the season, knowing that there's still a couple of league games left and you never know, things things should happen, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, we just need to win all the rest of the games. We need more goals, capitalize when we can, and just finish. And again, big thanks to all the student athletes who took the time to talk with me during this very busy stretch. That was Mike Caruso, Katie Kudlasik, and Juliana Kratz over the last couple of days. Now to our upcoming schedule. And again, we have to remind everybody, these are the games that are listed as they are at the time that we're recording. But there are always changes that happen, whether it's forced by necessity or other means. Just make sure to stay with us on fairfieldstags.com and all of our social channels as we'll let you all know where you have to go and if Fairfield happens to be home on the day or another day than scheduled. Men's soccer hosts Manhattan at noon on Monday the 5th or perhaps by the time you're listening to this podcast, that game will be on ESPN+. Plus On Tuesday, the six women's soccer away to Quinnipiac. That will end the men's and women's soccer regular seasons. We'll get to the postseason picture in just a moment on wednesday the 7th women's golf have a home event at uh, smith richardson golf course up here in fairfield connecticut which by the way i believe they just finished the completion of the clubhouse reconstruction so i can't wait to see what that looks like uh, baseball hosts a doubleheader against quinnipiac games start at 12 p.m softball hosts a doubleheader against sienna two and four women's tennis hosts monmouth then on thursday softball finishes their four games set in two days against Siena. That will start at 12. Men's and women's golf are at another one-day event at Hartford on Friday at the Tumblebrook Country Club. And women's soccer quarterfinal day is Friday, again, to be determined who Fairfield's opponent is, if they, of course, qualify, and where they will play. On Saturday the 10th, baseball hosts Ryder in a doubleheader starting at 12. Women's lacrosse hosts Siena at one. Men's and women's rowing are at the Sacred Heart event. Men's lacrosse is at Townsend and softball is at Ryder. Those doubleheaders for baseball and softball continue on Sunday. Add field hockey at home to Merrimack. Men's and women's tennis host Siena. Men's and women's golf start a two-day event with Sacred Heart at their spring invite at the Great Riverburg uh, Golf Club. And their men's soccer quarterfinal is also on Sunday. Again, same thing as women. Location, opponent, qualification yet to be determined. Drew, that was a mouthful for me. Is there anything that you want to add or anything that I missed? Well, as you, um, as you outlined there, we're, 
we're in the stretch run for a lot of our sports here and seasons are going to start to come to an end. And I just want to make sure I don't miss the chance to express my gratitude to everybody who helped make these seasons possible. You know, it's not a, uh, it's not a nine to five job. It's not a 20 hours a week job. It's a 24 seven job for a lot of people, particularly the student athletes who dedicated themselves, not just to practice and the weight room and all that, but to staying healthy, being diligent with that, keeping themselves and each other accountable and just doing everything they can to make sure that these seasons happened. It's, it's a unique circumstance. It's for a lot of sports. It's not an ideal circumstance, but the we're getting the games in, you know, the, these student athletes are getting to do what they love to do. And they've really showed us how much they love to do it. And to be honest, I hope that's something we don't forget when, you know, knock on wood in the fall, we're back to our traditional fall slate and then going into winter and spring. Um, let's not forget how much these student athletes dedicated to just being able to do what they love to do and all the people around that make it possible. Our guys in operations, our athletic trainers, all of everybody loves to do it. And that's why we're able to make this happen. So I don't mean to sound like a sign off. Hopefully there's a lot of good sports left to be played from our Fairfield teams. I just didn't want to miss the chance to say thank you to everybody who's uh, putting in that 24 seven effort to make this happen. No, and I echo that sentiment as well, because you talk about the student athletes that have had to put in all the work, how diligent they've had to be just to make sure that these games are played. But the administrators that have to put in all hours, making sure that there's availability for opponents for fields. I've mentioned the fact that Fairfield baseball is not supposed to be home this weekend. They were supposed to then travel to Iona, but then working it out so that those games could happen, just happen to be played at Fairfield. Um, our grounds crew getting the soccer field. Again, we mentioned it's a grass soccer field. You don't have competition in March on grass usually, but that field has been fantastic throughout. So, I mean, those are just a couple of examples, but I think everybody has done a tremendous job, not just over the past 30 days or so, basically with the start of this combo fall season, fall spring season been like, but really all year long, making sure that these games are played. So fair shout that Drew, appreciate that sentiment. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks again for hanging out with us here in the Stag Sports Wrap. Make sure to check out fairfieldstags.com for all your updates, news, notes, scores, and much more. On social, we're at Fairfield Stags on Twitter and Instagram and at Stag Sports Net as well. So thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Stag Sports Wrap. For Drew, I'm JJ signing off, and we'll talk to you all soon. Go Stags. <laughs>